Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. All right, Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back to the show today. I have a special treat for everybody. Today, I have Scott Alexander with us. Scott Alexander is the Vice President of Innovation and Product Development at Mercy. He oversees the organization's identification, development, and deployment of new non-provider revenue streams and guides the development of technology to better serve Mercy's non-provider operations. Scott joined Mercy Supply Chain Division, ROI, that's the other name for it, for it as the head of sourcing, innovation, and marketing in 2015. With a decade of healthcare experience, Scott has held many positions for companies like Medtronic Covidian, Nasolux, and also the Innovation Factory in roles that span from marketing, sales, strategy, innovation, and even venture capital. Scott is a pretty sharp guy. He graduated summa cum laude with honors from the University of Georgia, and his degrees are in marketing and management information systems. He received his MBA from Wake Forest University, with a concentration in finance. And he also holds over one dozen patents and patent filings in the field of medical technology and healthcare information systems. Outcomes Rocket listeners, we have a sharp guy here with us, but I want to turn the mic to Scott. And Scott, maybe you want to fill in some of the gaps in your intro and cover anything I may have missed. Yeah, first of all, I'm glad to be here. It's exciting to be a part of this. Uh, thanks for the invitation, and uh, thanks to the listeners for taking some time to, to listen in. So, Scott Alexander, I'm at Mercy, big health system based in St. Louis, kind of covering the four-state region. I've been blessed to be able to, to be a part of some exciting parts of healthcare, both on the uh, med device side, looking at venture capitals where I kind of started, and then time at Medtronic for coming to Mercy. And, you know, it's a lot of fun uh, looking at kind of where we are today and what the future of healthcare is going to look like. That's excellent. And you definitely have had a very well-rounded experience in the business. So tell me, Scott, what got you interested in, in healthcare? It's a good question. So I grew up in a healthcare family. My dad is a doc, a physician in emergency medicine. My mom was a nurse. And I actually thought I was growing up and I was going to be a doctor. And my dad sat me down before college and said, you know, Scott, essentially, I know what medicine's like. I know you, Scott. I know that you would be frustrated in in medicine, you shouldn't be a doctor. And my dad's a pretty wise guy, so I listened to him. But the draw to healthcare was was just too much. And so I've taken the the business side of it, and again, been fortunate to be on the med device side, and then uh, more recently to come over and be a part of a big health system. And um, it's great. I'm glad that I that I'm in the industry, and I'm glad that I get a chance to do cool stuff to try and help patients out. That's pretty awesome. It's a family business and your dad couldn't keep you out. He couldn't do it. And it's kind of fun too. I have a, uh, I have two brothers and my older brother is incredibly squeamish. And so when we get together for Thanksgiving, I like to talk about medical stuff because then he has to leave the room. So that's pretty good. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I yeah. love it. So we're dealing with so much in healthcare right now. And, you know, the changes are just constant. And on the agendas of leaders today, you have really some high priority items what would you say is really a kind of a hot topic that should be on each medical leader's agenda today? And how have you at ROI done to approach it? Yeah, I think it's a great question. So to me, the biggest question facing our industry really focuses on the financial viability of providers. 
So if you kind of think about the ecosystem of healthcare, you essentially have a provider in the middle. It's a, it's a physician to patient relationship. It's an organization, a health system built around that. And then you essentially have suppliers into that relationship, whether it's you know, the great folks that, you know, in the med device space, people in pharma, people providing services, but it's all based on and dependent upon the provider being successful. And for a number of reasons, we're seeing significant pressure on providers. So reimbursement cuts that are coming through as a part of the Affordable Care Act or, or other sort of general changes in the industry, we're seeing supply costs go up pretty dramatically, and it's squeezing out the health systems. And so I think that if you are a provider or you work for a health system, you need to be focused on your own financial viability. And if you are a healthcare leader working for a supplier, whether it's a med device company, services, whatever the case might be, you should be focused on how do you ensure and improve the financial viability of your customer? Because essentially without hospitals being financially viable, your business isn't viable. That's so to right. me, I really don't think that there's much more pressing than that that should be on everybody's, on everybody's mind. The financial viability of the healthcare institutions. Yes, exactly. Awesome. And, you know, you make a great point, Scott, is if the folks listening, you're an industry, you know, Scott's point is one that really should resonate because if as medical device providers or supply providers, if we're not helping the hospitals become more financially viable, then say goodbye to the business. Is that right, Scott? Right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Huge. And, and something that, that definitely I, I feel is worth thinking about. So can you give Outcomes Rocket listeners an example of how you and ROI have created results by thinking and doing things differently? Yeah, I think I would point to ROI existing as being a great example of that. So a decade ago, some smart people inside Mercy said that they wanted to figure out how you bring supply chain together. Mercy was 25 hospitals and sort of operating independently. And they built this company, which is now ROI, to operate as one unified supply chain. And so that mentality has really been driven through the culture. And another thing that they said was, and, and we've kept true to this, is we need to conduct fair business. And so we need to operate upfront with people. We need to be forthright. We need to ensure that we're you know, speaking on behalf of Mercy and now other health systems, but we also need to appreciate that there's a relationship here. And I think that that collegial mentality and an ability to understand both what a provider needs and what a, a supplier needs has allowed us to drive some significant value in areas that you know, traditional supply chains maybe necessarily haven't been able to do as well. I could go through a whole list of, of examples, but really would, would settle on the fact that as we think about where ROI has driven value. It's really been about partnership, alignment with suppliers, speaking, you know, telling exactly how things are going to be and then expecting our suppliers to benefit as a result of that. You know, and one of the things, uh, no, thanks for sharing that, Scott. You yeah. said you could provide a couple examples. Maybe we should discuss an example of it just because here in the outcomes rocket, we really want outcomes to just go out through the roof and just be amazing. So maybe you can spark an idea in the mind of somebody. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, listening, at the end of the show, we'll give you a way to get in touch with Scott, just in case you want to discuss any opportunities to collaborate or get in touch with him, you'll be able to. But yeah, maybe you could provide an idea for them to start thinking about. Sure. So um, I'll use our example of the relationship that we have with Covidian, right? Uh, now Medtronic, right? So Mercy and Medtronic have a very strong relationship, particularly in the surgical front. And so we actually meet with the team there on a very regular basis and have 
a very candid conversation about where are we meeting our compliance thresholds? Are we where where's Mercy standing up and doing what it says it was going to do? Where are we falling short? And then how do we remedy those areas where we may have people using products that they shouldn't from a competitor? And how do we collaboratively work to fix the situation? And that's one of the things that as we think about where providers and suppliers need to go, it's that kind of collaborative discussion as opposed to what can happen a lot of times, which is combative, right? You said you were going to be 80% compliant to an agreement. This is very, you know, very sales-specific, but you said you're going to be 80% compliant. You're 78.6. I'm jacking your prices up, right? Mm-hmm. I can tell you from the provider side, that's the wrong answer because what that's going to do is that's going to make me want to move away. But because we've had relationships like we do with Covidian and, again, a whole host of other suppliers out there that we have these kind of relationships with, we can have an honest conversation about, hey, we're at 78.6. Why are we missing? How do we fix it? Or we're at 84 and a half. So let's pat ourselves on the back and celebrate together because that's ultimately going to benefit both sides. Really great. So it's that partnership between clinical leadership, supply chain, just to be able to put together a strategy to, to bring down costs, standardization up and improve patient outcomes. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's essentially, like you said, bringing everybody to the table having a clear goal of what are we trying to do, how we're driving standardization, how are we getting the clinical outcomes we want, how are we handling it from a financial perspective, and then moving together towards that goal. Beautiful. That's great. And Scott, remind me, what does ROI stand for? I think uh, that's a question in a lot of people's uh, minds out there. What does that stand for? So it stands for resource optimization and innovation. And again, concept that got started about a decade ago, and the guys who started that are now actually the senior leaders for Mercy. So it just goes to show sort of the relative importance of supply chain inside Mercy and what good supply chain can do to somebody's career. That's really powerful. And the name is just, I mean, it's what you guys stand for in a culture, like you said. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. So Scott, can you share with Outcomes Rocket listeners a time when you made a mistake or within the organization through your leadership, you made a mistake or failed? Can you take us to that moment? Yeah, I can take you to a couple of moments. <laughs> we learn more from our failures, don't we? Than our yeah, success. we do. So I have a couple of failures. And I was thinking about this all because I figured that I'll have some, some friends and old colleagues who are going to listen. And if it's all right with you, I'd rather not name names. But, That's but what I can do is I can walk you through times when I've screwed up because, again, they're, they're plentiful. Totally fine. Yep. So my background prior to coming to Mercy is running incubators, kind of early stage technology stuff, product management. And um, one of the things that I found myself doing back then, and I found myself here, is thinking I know the answers. And right, I'm, I'm sure many of the listeners are very intelligent, handsome people, and we know the answers. And the reality is, in my old age, I've realized that I may know some of them, but I don't necessarily know all of them. And so there have been multiple times that I've stood in front of a group of folks and said, we need to go left and have somebody raise their hand and say, you know what, Scott, if you go left, there's a bunch of poisonous snakes and right, some bad things over there. And so by not going and soliciting from the group kind of what, what's the reality on the ground, I've gotten a little bit removed, right? End up making bad decisions when you don't understand what's going on on the ground. Gotcha. No, thanks for sharing. And, and really, I think it's a, a really human thing to do. And so if you think of one time when that happened, what lesson did you take away from it? Maybe you could come up with a specific time and a specific lesson. Yeah. So here we go. One example that we ran into, we had a project when I was back at Covidian and it was a great project. The whole idea was identification of critical structures in a surgery. So 
you have a general surgeon in, he's doing a, a lap coli, how do we make sure that he understands when he's cutting, he's cutting the right stuff. So that's the premise of what the project was. And fantastic. The market need is there, everything else, but we couldn't find a technical solution to it. And we kept on it longer than we should have. Really what we ought to have done has been a little bit more honest with ourselves about, is this going to be successful? And uh, called it a day earlier. Not that the project wasn't valuable. It really was. And frankly, the team did amazing work, but the opportunity cost of looking at the next thing was very expensive. And so I think if I had to do it all over again, I would have had a, a compassionate bus stop with the team and say, look, guys, is this really where we should be spending our time? Or is this one of those things that it's just not going to happen? And um, kind of a key learning. And if we had to do it all over again, I think I would have raised my hand to stop the project earlier. Super. Yeah, it's that idea of knowing when to cut your losses and knowing how to check in with your team because we don't know all yeah. the answers. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, again, you know the answer right in your head and then you realize that you get down on the ground and realize that that's, it's just not really what, what you thought it was. Totally. Wow. That's so, so great. And thanks for sharing that. I, I feel like a lot of times once we you know, start working at the leadership levels, it's important to really see what the tone at the top and the mood at the middle and the feet on the street are, are telling you something, then maybe you should listen. That's such a great message, Scott. Thank That's you for great. sharing that. Yeah, of course. So that was huge. And so what, what would you say, let's turn the, the coin and take a look at the yeah. positive side. What has been one of your proudest moments in medical leadership? Maybe a, an experience or a moment or a project that went really well. Yeah. So again, I've been blessed to work with great teams and uh, to do some, be a part of some pretty amazing things. And so it's kind of thinking about it. And I'm going to point to recently running the ROI GPO. Okay. And really no focused tasks. on what's that? Well, yeah. no <laughs> had a good team, right? <laughs> I had a good team. Awesome. So, uh, so yeah, it was it was nice to get dropped in there and uh, have people I could rely on. But the thing that I'm proudest of is. Again, going back to financial viability, how are, we, how are we making sure that those health systems that rely on us are being taken care of financially? And we were able to really kind of buckle down, look at, basically, we built some analytical tools to help the folks who are on the ground focus on how do we drive savings for these health systems. And we overachieved the savings goal that we had by 20, 25%, something along those lines. And when you think about it, I mean, that's real material, that's 10, 15 million extra dollars that we were able to deliver that we weren't going to otherwise. And that $15 million can go to building a new building or hiring a physician that's going to be able to help a particular patient. Or the thing that I'm most passionate about is providing for more uncompensated care and being able to provide for those people who couldn't afford it otherwise. So that that's $15 million is real money that can then go to support the community. And that's, that's what I'm proudest of. Huge, Scott. And just that cash flow, figuring out how to have that financial viability. Outcomes Rocket listeners, if you haven't caught on yet, Scott is, is passionate about making sure that all of you guys and gals listening remain financially viable, whether it be through improving your operations or your partnerships, it's all about financial viability if you're going to survive. Yep, absolutely. And it's going to be, if you're a provider, you have to make sure that you, you know, with no margin, there is no mission, right? So you got to maintain your, your margin, that. right? With no there margin, there is no mission. I'm putting no that. No margin, no mission. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Copyright mercy, right? So uh, yeah, I will give you the first 10 times I use it, I'll give you, I'll give you credit. And, uh, or, or is that a mercy? Is that a mercy tagline? 
It's a mercy. I totally stole it from them. Yeah, from, from, from our leader. <laughs> All right, I'll give you credits, Scott. I'll give you credits. Thanks. I appreciate it. That's <laughs> I heard it from you. So, and so from a provider, you got to worry about that, right? No margin emission. And then from a supplier perspective, what I will tell you is the suppliers, the sales teams that call on health systems, the ones who are successful are the ones who understand the long game, right? So if you look at the data out there, it suggests that we overuse medical care. So you know, I think the government of the GAO said a third of all Medicare spend is waste, fraud, and abuse, right? So whack, right? It's crazy, right? So whack a third of your business off the table. What do you do? You got to make that up somehow. And who are the people who are going to make it up? It's the people who understand how to help their customers drive value. And so if you're not ensuring that you're paying attention to the financial viability of your customer, right, you will not have financial viability. And so, right, it's all sort of one big virtuous cycle, at least the world according to Scott, right? Totally, totally. No, Scott, that's so, so on point. And with no margin, there is no mission. It's that you need to take off. So totally agree. So tell us a little bit about an exciting project or a focus that you're working on today. Yeah, I've got a couple. I've got a big, long list down of all the exciting things that are going on. I'll give you the abridged version. Yeah, so, so for the next 45 minutes. You're not a bored guy. You, you keep yourself busy. <laughs> I do, yeah. i got to stay out of trouble. That's what it is. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I love it. So I started a new job uh, at the beginning of the year, beginning of 2017. And we're focusing on building an incubator to create new businesses. So these are essentially, what is it that Mercy does well that we can package up and help other health systems with or help other suppliers with for that matter? And so we're doing things around virtual medicine. We have a big, big focus on that. So how do you treat patients who, uh, or how do you get clinicians to patients that can't get into the hospital, right? A lot of different angles on that, which is super exciting. We're looking at things, ways to use data to improve patient care. So whether that's aligning with uh, financial coaches to help people understand the financial impact of their health issues that may exist today or in the future, whether it's working with manufacturers to look at how a particular product may or may not uh, deliver the benefits that they think that it might. But those those are kind of two big areas. And then we have our, our other exciting things around the businesses that are already in the marketplace. So helping people with sourcing, helping people with, you know, helping health systems with distributing products within their health systems, that sort of thing. So I have an exciting job, I'll just say, and it's a good day every day I show up to work. Very interesting. And so you mentioned uh, collaborating and potentially introducing other businesses. Now, is this something that you're looking to do through affiliations, to something to do organically? Maybe you can expand on yeah. that. Yeah, I, I think it's all the above. Okay. Right. So Mercy is, has a history of kind of incubating new companies. So whether it's supply chain through ROI, IT services through our MTS group, this virtual care business that we're standing up, they've got a history of doing that. The other pieces that we're, we're focusing on is how do we engage with really new novel breakthrough type technology companies to help expedite that. So, you know, sort of accelerating the growth there. And then we also, you know, we participate in traditional venture capital funding as well. So it's going to play across all three of those spectra. And really, though, kind of getting down to focusing on how do we deliver exceptional patient care? And everything we're going to do is going to focus around that. Beautiful. 
Love it. And so thank you for expanding on that. I was just curious yeah. at what targets you were, you were after there. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Very, very diverse. You got your tripod and, and you're going after all, all angles. Yep. Absolutely. Very nice. So wonderful. Thanks for sharing. And so now we're getting into the section of the show where we play pretend and we're building a, a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine today, not just to survive, because if you're just working to survive, it's not enough. Really, what are the ABCs of Scott when it comes to financial viability and all the things that you have to offer? What, what would you say that the, the ABCs of, of that is? So, so how do you do it? I think it really comes down to just a couple of things, right? So number one, you got to make sure you have a plus players and get the right people around you. And that's going to be true. And again, I'm coming from a provider perspective, but do you have the best team you could possibly have? Do you have the best partners from the manufacturer, from your supply community? Do you have the right people with you? And if you don't, somebody's missing, actively seek that out, right? Healthcare is a fascinating area and you get people's attention. So if you have a need, I find you kind of raise your hand. So get the right people. And then the next step is you got to trust people. Right. You have to be clear on kind of what's the vision? What are we trying to get to? What's the environment? How are we ensuring that people have the right tools, the right knowledge, the right experiences to be able to get where they need to go? And then how do you as a healthcare leader intervene in those relationships to ensure when somebody turns left instead of right, you can have a you know, good conversation built on trust to say you should go do this way instead of that. But if you do those three things, set the vision ensure the, the correct environment, intervene when necessary, that wonderful team that you've built will be successful in getting to the goals that you're looking for. And so it's all about that. It's all about essentially having that team and ensuring that people know what they're supposed to do that produces amazing things. Love it. So get the right team of A-plus players, be clear about your mission, and just finally get everybody on the same boat. And remind me what the third one was. I, I, I missed I It was more me. Not uh, clear on the third one. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So I'll say I have two big buckets. Right. Okay. So bucket number one, get the right people. Right. Right. Right people. Right places. Right. And you can have wonderful people who are in the right place. Get them to the right place. Right. So and build out that the village that you need to be successful for any project. So that's kind of big bucket number one. Big bucket number two is trust people. So you have to, in order to do that, you need to do three things. You have to set the vision, clearly communicate. This is what the goal is. This is why it is what it is. You know, this is what it's going to look like when we're there. Ensure that the environment is set up, is conducive for them to be successful, right? And that's things like make sure that people have the right information, make sure that they have the right tools, that they know who to talk to when they have questions, whatever the case might be. Set up the environment. And then finally, intervene as a leader when necessary. So, you know, that's sitting down saying, hey, you turned left, we should have turned right, this is why, right, and educate for the future. But if you do that, and you trust your people to be that they're going towards the goal, right, they have the, the right things, what I've found is that you see amazing things coming out of these teams, because they know what they're doing and why they're doing it. They got the right tools and, and they have a leader that's available when they need it. That's beautiful. It sounds like a great system. It works. It works. I've seen it done and, and I've stolen it shamelessly from other people. <laughs> hey, that's all good, right? You, you use what works. Yep. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's outstanding, Scott. Well, really appreciate you sharing those thoughts and, and really that's sort of the, the ABCs of, of the lightning round. I do want to ask you, what are one or two of your favorite books that you would recommend to our listeners? Today. Yeah. So uh, being the overachiever that I am, I went with three. Okay. I got three hey, let's, ideas. Let's hear it, baby. Let's hear it. All right. 
To me, so number one, The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. So amazing book, essentially talks about how you do a startup. How do you do a Silicon Valley startup in this day and age? And I pointed out, right, we probably don't have an audience full of entrepreneurs, but I think you can take these rules that he has and apply them to really doing anything differently. So Lean Startup, great book. The second book is The Art of Selling by Tom Hopkins. Mm. And it's amazing. It's a classic. Uh, it's a classic. Love it. So, a uh, quick story for you. Yeah. Uh, my first job out of school, I graduated December of 2001. Okay. And so the job market was absolutely just in the tank. In so, 2001, uh, yep. yeah, 2001, just after 9 11, you know, the dot com bubble had burst. Yeah. Right. Not a lot of jobs. My first job out of school was selling office equipment, so nice. copiers, printers, machines. And I had a sales manager there who made us memorize all the closes in The Art of Selling. Wow. And we would practice them every morning before <laughs> we went out and sold. It was unbelievable. Wow. But I'll tell you, Saul, it was great because everything that we do, I don't hit people with a Ben Franklin close anymore, but it, the mentalities of how do you sell, whether you're in a, an official sales role or you're inside a large organization, all you're doing all day long is selling. Mm-hmm. And in this environment of big change, you have to be able to convey your ideas. So whether you're a sales guy, you're an engineer, you're an accountant, you should read and understand how to sell so that you can get your ideas across. So that's, that's book number two. Love it. And then I love the application of it. It's just like sometimes the innovation comes in bringing something that's non-traditional into your own environment. And that's a great example. Thanks for that. And now comes Absolutely. Rocket Listeners, The Art of Selling. If you haven't, pick it up. It's a good one. Oh, yeah. It's gold. I've got several copies here in my office that I, see, that it's I, the I like. the green one, right? If I remember correctly, it's the yeah, green one. Yeah, it's actually right here. Yep, there it is. Yep, I see so. it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, so that's number two. And then number three, I was thinking about this, and I'm going to go with Death Be Not Proud. So yeah. it's a book for those of y'all who didn't read it in, in 10th grade literature about a family who has a child who has uh, brain cancer. And the child died. And not, not to you know, beat the punchline, but you could kind of tell. Sure, sure. Um, so it's essentially walking through what it's like to be a parent of a child who's ill. And being in healthcare, right, we all kind of, we can get into our own grooves of, I have to hit my quota. I've got my marketing project that I need to do, running financial numbers for clothes, whatever the case might be. And we lose sight of why are we really doing this? And we're really doing it because there are people who are sick and ill and need help, and they come to get care. And the day that we lose sight of that is the day that we really lose our way. And we need to be always mindful of what it is that's on the end of that pulse oximeter or that surgical instrument or that pharmaceutical or that service that I'm providing. And I would ask Outcomes Rocket listeners to keep that in mind as we go about our day, because that's really why we're here. Love it. Scott, that's so great. And uh, just keeping that why at the center of everything we do. Yep, exactly. Super huge. And so there you have it, Outcomes Rocket listeners, the lean startup, the art of selling and death be not proud. So Scott, I can't tell you how thankful I am for you to have spent just 30 minutes of your day with us today. Why don't you go ahead and share one closing thought with our listeners today, where they could get in touch with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, sure. Just to beat a dead horse, kind of big thought. We're going through big change in our industry. We have to figure out what this new world looks like. And I think the people who will be successful on the other side are those people who look around and figure out how do they take care of the others and how do they 
create an environment that allows us to really focus on the patient in a way that, that ensures that all the necessary organizations are around in the future. And I also want to thank folks who are listening and, and thanks folks in our industry. Right? There's a lot of hard work that goes on, and I don't think we necessarily take enough time to kind of stop and thank each other for the work that we do. So that's kind of number two is, is thank you for that. I'm pretty easily reachable. So I'm on Twitter. My handle is at S-F-A-L-E-X-A-N. So Sphalexam. And then shoot me an email. So scott.alexander at mercy.net. And uh, I promise I'll reply. So that's, that's what I've got. That's outstanding. And Outcomes Rocket listeners, I will go ahead and post all of the links and resources to the show notes so that you could just go to this episode on our site at www.outcomesrocket.com. And you could find a way to just click your way to Scott if something that he said triggered you and you want to just connect. So Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. We really thank you and look forward to catching up soon. This is great. So I really appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.